Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. We are in, if you're, if you're kind of new to us or you're just jumping in, sometimes you watch, sometimes you don't, sometimes you come, sometimes you don't, I'm not going to sit here and beat you up for that. I get it, you have a life. We'd love for you to hear, be here every week because we'd love to see you and have the opportunity to pour into you, but you know what? God's not mad at you. Amen? Amen. Just kind of lay that foundation. God's not mad at you when you mess up. I'm not saying you're not coming to church and messing up. It didn't quite jive together, right? Well, we're in this, mini- in this series called The Ministry of the Holy Spirit. To kind of catch you up a little bit, we're working from this idea. The Holy Spirit is active in your life. Jesus said he would send him when he went. And one of the things that he does is, this is Jesus speaking, John 15, 26. But when the helper comes, say helper. helper. The Holy Spirit is our helper. When he comes whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's talking to you about Jesus. He's talking to you about what he did for you on that cross and his death, burial, and his resurrection. And the fact that the Holy Spirit is continuing to work in you as you renew your mind and put on your new man, your identity in Christ, the Holy Spirit is continuing to conform you into the image of Christ. Spiritually, we work from the perspective that the work is done. Salvation is complete. You cannot improve upon salvation. You're you're sealed with the Spirit. Your salvation is secure because it is sealed in the blood of Christ. And from there forward, you live as a child of God, accepted fully in His kingdom, but still in this earth with a body, living out under the power of the Holy Spirit, continuing to engage in renewing of the mind so that you put on outwardly that inward image, right? So we don't look at you as God's approaching you from the outside and your behavior is what continues to cleanse and make you more holy. He has cleansed you with the blood of Jesus. And so from that finished place, you then live outwardly from that place. So the internal finished perfection, the Spirit of God within you, we're seeking to allow it to emanate into our being and affect our mind and ultimately our behaviors and how we operate in the world. Amen? Amen. And so you end up with passages like, don't sin, but if you do, remember you have an advocate with the Father. Now, does that mean go ahead on out and sin? Does freedom in Christ make you want to sin? No. It actually it promotes more responsibility. The more you know how free you are in Christ, the more you want to live in a way that's honoring and glorifying of what He's done inside of you already. And so what the Holy Spirit's going to do is He's going to remind you. He's going to provoke you. He's going he's to convict but not condemn. And there's a difference. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We are set free from the law of sin and death He was judged in our place, not so that we can continue in sin, but so that we can live under the power of grace and not our former manner. So the Holy Spirit's going to remind you, hey, no, this is who you are in me. 
There's grace available. Say yes to me and no to that. Go this way. Go this way. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Now, if you don't hear intellectual downloads from God, that's okay. You know, you hear a lot of people talk about, well, God said, you know, God's saying to me, when God speaks to me, it sounds a lot like me. You know, I, I, there's this connection and that I'm going to talk about here in a little bit that we have with the Holy Spirit. And as He lives through us, we have to be in agreement with it and in our minds and in our hearts adopt the same kinds of thinking that He does so that we will obey and follow Him from the heart. We used to have to obey laws that were externally written in stone or orally you know, communicated, but now His law is in our heart. It is a natural desire from your spirit to want to follow God now, whereas it wasn't before. And so what the Holy Spirit's doing is He's reminding you. He's reminding you who you are. He's reminding you what Jesus did for you. He's reminding you that you have this inheritance in Him. He's reminding you that you have a salvation to protect, not because you might lose it, but that you live well within the salvation that He's given you. The Holy Spirit's going to always remind you of who you are in Him. And when you know who you are, you will live out of that identity. And I'm going to get to some interesting things here about identity. One of the other anchor points in this message, in this series, is Romans 8 and 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Does the Spirit of God dwell in you? Yes. The way that you get the Spirit in you is you say yes to Jesus. There's not a separate event, another time that you receive the Spirit after you are born again. You say yes to Jesus, the Spirit of God takes up residence within you in, in full from there forward. So there's another point I'll make here, but anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong. So you either have the Spirit or you don't have the Spirit. And if you have Him, you have all of Him. Then in 1 John 2, 27, we have some instruction about living from the reality of the Spirit being in you. So this is some instruction of living under the influence of the Spirit that is in you. But the anointing, which is another way of saying that you've been sealed with the Spirit, the anointing that you received from Him abides. Say abides. It doesn't come and go. It stays. Under the old covenant, the Spirit of God would descend, anoint someone for a task, and if they messed up, it would lift off. God is not lifting off from you. God is not taking His hand off of your life. He is in you forever. Now, you might engage in destructive, sinful behavior and harden your heart toward Him and desensitize yourself from His leading, but He's not taking His hand off of your life. He's probably squeezing a little bit tighter, so oh, don't, don't go that way. You know, that's a joke. It's pretty bad when you have to announce your jokes, right? <laughs> Uh, so the anointing abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you. You do not need me. You don't need anybody in the body of Christ. What you need is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just so happens to be building His body and He's working through people as He builds His body and puts us in the places that He wants us to be. And so we can benefit from church from all of us stepping into the areas that we are to call to function in in the body. And I pray that you do too. I pray, you know, my, one of my greatest desires for the people that come to this church is that you find your place in the body. I don't mean what list you're supposed to sign up on to serve in our programs. 
That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, I, I want you to serve if you, if you have a desire for something that we're doing. But I have a strong desire as a pastor that you find your place in the body, that you live from a sense of purpose, that you lived with a mindset that says, I am complete in Christ, so I don't have to do something for God to become more complete. But because I am complete in Him, I want to live out of this sense of, I want what He's done in me to be reflected outwardly. I want to be able to wake up every morning and live with a deep sense of purpose toward this world. So I, I'm, my life means something. It counts for something. I'm a child of God. He loves me. That's my dad. He's proud of me no matter what. But in this life, I want to live with a sense of purpose. How many of you, that's your desire? You want to just live every day. It's like, I want to be engaged in something that means something. Not because God gave you birth, gave birth to you, for you so that you would do a job for him, but because you're in his kingdom, you're his child, now you live out toward this world with a sense of purpose. So the anointing abides, and it abides to lead you, to pour grace through your heart, to teach you. So, But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And so then there's this instruction also, Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Say, filled with the Spirit. That is not when you receive the Spirit, because it says in Acts, you see over and over, they had received the Spirit, but many times after, subsequently throughout the book of Acts, you'll see, and Peter was filled with the Spirit, and he said this. So being filled with the Spirit is not to receive the Spirit. It's to yield to the Spirit which is in you to come upon you and strengthen you and give you wisdom and insight beyond your own intellect. I mean, how many of you want God involved in your life beyond your own strength? That's being filled with the Spirit. You yield to Him. You ever been in a situation, it's like you just kind of know something about somebody? I don't mean like you know their secrets. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I knew it, you know. I don't mean that, but I mean like you just kind of knew something and, and you, you, you felt like I'm going to communicate this to them or pray to, for them about this. And they're like, oh, my gosh, this is, this is amazing. You know, that, that, those kinds of things are still happening with us. And, and it's not that you lead with those things to try to dazzle somebody with your, you know, great skills of words of wisdom and knowledge, but you lead with love. And when, I talked about that in the last session that I had, but... So be, be, be open to being yielded to the Spirit of God so He strengthens you beyond your own capacities in all the gifts. And we talked about last week, the gift, or last time, the gifts, which are graces. So speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things. So these are all kind of points. So how are you filled with the Spirit? How do you put yourself in a position where you are intentionally yielding to His influence? What do you do? How do you do it? Speak to one another in psalms and hymns. In other words, you sing for each other. You, you get Adam to sing over you, and you're going to feel the Spirit of God. Uh, you sing and make melody in your own heart. You ever sang yourself happy? It, if I could sing better, I'd do it more often. But, uh, making melody in your heart, so giving thanks. You want to be under the influence of the Spirit? Be thankful. You know, so it's not mystical. Like being filled with the Spirit is not where you become some weird person that 
is in some church running around doing weird things. But, I mean, it's like being filled with... It's very practical. You're, you know, the Spirit of God is a person. He's with us, but His power is in us. There is a spiritual energy that is accessible to us through these kinds of things, you know? You, you're sitting there feeling bad, face, facing temptation, depressed, legitimately grieving a loss. You need joy. Joy is a spiritual energy from God that can change your inner state of being. That if you engage that spiritual fruit of joy and feast on it, it will change your life. And then you don't sit within that depression. You don't sit within that negative, selfish, repetitive, woe is me thinking and make destructive decisions over and over and over. You engage the Spirit of God in a real way where joy truly becomes your strength. Now, that can either just be a scripture for you, something that you memorize and teach other people, or it can be an actual lifestyle where you're engaging God in you. Because you don't have to succumb to the world. You don't have to let the darkness of the world overcome you. You have the Spirit of God in you. And He gave us a tool. He gave us a gift. He gave us a, a way of communicating with Him. So I'm getting to that. I don't want to run you off. But, you know, we are a group of people in this particular body. We believe the Spirit of God is active. So from this, we get the conclusion we have a responsibility to yield to His Spirit and allow His Spirit to be poured through us. Ephesians 3 talks about this, that we would know His love, you know, that we would yield to His love for us, allow Him to love us into a place of wholeness, and then out of that we move toward the world and minister out of that. And then the other aspect of this is praying with your spirit. I like how Paul talks about it. Praying with your spirit, praying in an unknown tongue, praying in tongues. Don't worry. If you don't utilize that gift, I'm not going to force you to come up here and make you try to do that today. In fact, some of you have been taught that it's wrong and evil, and you know we're not the kind of church that makes you think that if you don't do that, that you don't have the full expression of the Spirit of God. It's just one gift of faith that you can choose to operate in or not, but I would recommend that you do. And I'll tell you why, because it's very powerful. And it's not God do, making you do something. It's not God taking over. And contrary to your denominationalist background, it's not the devil. <laughs> and some people, we had a couple that was coming and they were checking out the church. And, you know, because we don't, I, I, I like what Paul said about the gifts. You know, he's like, look, I pray in tongues more than all y'all do. He said, but when we come together, I'd rather pray five words in English than 10,000 in an unknown tongue because it makes sense for being able to speak. It just doesn't make sense for us to get in here. You know, some denominations, it's like we're going to display that and here comes sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so and we're going to do And it becomes a tradition. And it's like it's forced. And there's a form that you got to fit into. I don't want to fit in. I don't want to limit what God wants to do, but I don't want to fit into a form of what people think that that's supposed to look like. Personally... I use it all the time. But I'm not going to come in here and force something upon the group just because we want to have a form of spirituality. That's just how I see it. But I do think it is incredibly powerful. So here's what Paul says about it, 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Am I talking fast enough for you? I'm not going too slow, am I? Okay. Uh, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. If you don't get anything else out of today, I want you to meditate on that idea. 
my spirit prays. Do you pray with your spirit? Watch what he says here. I pray. So this is, this is after a longer discourse of what he's talking about here. He's talking about the gifts. He's talking about this particular gift. He says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So what is the conclusion? I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with my understanding. I want to do both. If you don't, I'm not going to hold it against you. But don't hold it against me that I do. Amen? Fair enough? All right. That's more for the people watching online. We actually got a letter. (laughs) It's mostly emails that people want to write, rebuke, and disagree with me. But somebody actually sent a letter. A handwritten letter, two-sided, and, you know, ever so slightly condescending, as you would expect, of where I was wrong. And it's like, I probably am wrong on a lot of things, but this one, you're wrong. So, anyway. But I was just impressed. The guy took time to write a letter. And it Anyway, we'll keep going. I, and it, he might be watching because he quoted some of the things I'd said. I, mean, I appreciate the letter, man. I, you know. I will sing with my spirit, and I will sing with my understanding. Pray with your spirit, uh, understanding and with your spirit. So that's what we're talking about. When you pray with your spirit, you're allowing God to pray for you, through you. God prays for you, through you. Here's two passages. Romans 8, 26, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we don't know how we ought to pray. Do you ever feel like I need to pray, but I have no clue what to say? Honestly, raise your hand if you're... Do you always pray perfect? Okay, there we go. That makes more sense. Well, I don't know how to pray. I mean, we get these, you know, people reach out to us with very difficult, heavy, challenging things. I don't know. I am thankful that I can pray with my spirit. Because then I'm, then I'm engaged. I feel, you know, I kind of feel like, it, like if I'm on, like if I'm standing next to a river and I'm standing on the side of the river, but I want to be in the river. To me, praying with the Spirit is getting in the river and you're flowing with Him. For we don't know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Groanings too deep to be uttered. The Spirit is praying for you. And when you give voice to that yourself, so here's another concept here. This is uh, Hebrews 7.25. This is talking about Jesus. I love Hebrews. Hebrews is probably one of my favorite books because what the author is talking about is reshaping what it looks like for Jesus to be our high priest, for Jesus to be the one that is presiding over our covenant with God, over the kind of relationship that we're in with God. Jesus is the authority. He's the emissary. He is the high priest. He is the one through which God reveals himself that makes intercession for us. Now, under the new covenant... Jesus isn't standing there like the old covenant. So the old covenant priests had to continually make sacrifices because the people continually sinned. And they themselves weren't pure and holy. 
So they themselves even had to make sacrifices for themselves and then for the people. Jesus, being perfect, only makes one sacrifice, he himself. And from there forward, you are forgiven. Say, I'm forgiven. forgiven. Now, in the blood of Christ, we are forgiven. That doesn't mean you just run on out and sin. It doesn't matter. That's dumb to think that. People think that that's what we're saying, but it's not. But from the, from the standpoint of the finished work of the cross and us being, having been made righteous, and he became sin, he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, that is a spiritual reality for every believer. And so what he's doing when he... So let me just read this passage. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost... Uttermost, that's to the depths of which, not just a shallow salvation, not just a temporary atonement through the blood of goats and bulls, but to the uttermost. This is a phrase that means to the depth of which makes it complete. Your salvation is complete to the uttermost in Him. So He's able to save those to the uttermost who come to God through Him, because that's the only way since he always lives to make intercession for them. You don't have this picture of Jesus standing there warding off an angry God who's just itching to judge you, and Jesus, no, 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 God, don't do that. Don't you remember my blood? That's not the picture. They're exactly the same in one accord, praying for you together. Jesus is praying for you. God is praying for you. Think about that for just a minute. Like right now, right now, God is praying for you. What do you think Jesus would pray for you? Imagine that just for a minute. Jesus comes in, he takes the mic, he stands up here, and he starts to pray. What would he pray? What would he pray for you? And if he prayed for you, like so let's say you got something going on, just kind of walk through this with me for just a minute. Let's say Jesus is up here, he gives an altar call. You come forward, you tell Jesus what's going on in your heart, in your life. He goes, I already know that. And he lays hands on you and prays for you. What would happen? What would happen if Jesus laid hands on you and prayed for you? Your life would be changed. Every one of us would have a different answer, a very deep and profound answer. But that's essentially what's happening. He is praying for you. Not for forgiveness from the Father, because that's already taken care of. But what's he praying? Can, I, can we go a little bit deeper? I know it's like our normal point. So if you got to go, if you got an appointment, we'll all watch you as you leave. But, <laughs> but i got to read something here. I knew you'd say that, because you always think that. But. All right, I'm going to go to Romans 8, and we're going to read a lot here. I'm going to go fast because we're going to get some gospel in, and then we're going to end with what it looks like for God to pray for you, through you, and what the conclusion of that is. I want you to walk out of here being incredibly thankful for the finished work of Jesus and being willing to engage the Spirit of God in such a way where you're going to give voice to what he is praying through you for you. Sound good? 
Romans 8.1, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for in Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life... Set. If you ever wonder what the gospel is, you get confused. It's like, now what, what are we doing here? Go read Romans 8. Uh, for in Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of a sinful man as an offering for sin... He thus condemned sin in the flesh so that the righteous standard of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now, does that mean you shouldn't obey God and keep His commands and live well within the salvation that you've been given? No. Does it mean it doesn't matter how you live? No. It just means God is not judging you based on your righteousness as under the former covenant. He's judging you based on Christ's righteousness which actually gives you a power to live under grace like never before. Grace not being God's forgiveness, but a power in you to strengthen you. He thus condemned sin in the flesh so that the righteous standard of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not, who do not, walk, after the, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And then he's going to clarify. By the way, I am reading the, the BSB, the Berean Study Bible. Uh, probably a lot of people aren't super familiar with it. It's relatively newer, but I, I, I really like it. I think it's proven itself to be you know, quite accurate. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And if I were to teach on just this particular part, I would say you're living according to the Spirit because you have your mind set on the Spirit. It's not the behavior that drives the mindset. It's the mindset that drives the behavior. You want a different behavior in your life? Have a different mindset. Put your mindset on the things of the Spirit. Come in unity of who you are in Him. You, then your behavior will change. The mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace because the mind of the flesh is hostile toward God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the flesh cannot please God. Then you want some good news here? Here we go. You, however, say me, me, are not controlled by the flesh, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. Does the Spirit of God live in you? Yes. Do you want Him to control you? Yes. Or at least yield to Him? And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. You must be born again. But if in... But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. There's two different things going on here. It's not two different natures that you have. It's two different realities of existence that you have. You've got a dead body that is continuing to die and decay in this earth. How pleasant is that? And then you have a spirit that is righteous within God. Therein lies the battle. You trying to live from this old dead man identity, which is dead and gone and buried in Christ, or the newness of the spirit of life. Which one do you want? You can bridge that gap through this gift of praying with your spirit. Uh, so, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Your body's dead, but guess what he's going to do? He's going to give that body life so that you can live under that power. I mean, that's nice of him. I mean, he didn't have to do that. Think about that. He didn't have to do that. He just said, you got this old dead body. It's going to start stinking here in a little while. 
but you got my spirit, so I'll see you one day in heaven. It's like, no, I'm going to help you along the way. You got, even though you got this dead body that is infected with sin, I'm still going to give you strength. I'm still going to give you life so that you can live and bring glory to my name. There's, there, there's a lot. I, there's like 19 sermons in this, and I know it's a lot, but we're getting somewhere, and I want to end with a conclusion that gives you a strength and a power that you can use in a very practical way. Therefore, brothers, we have obligation, but is not to the flesh to live according to it. But if, we, if you live according to the flesh, you die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, that's not talking about salvation. That's talking about the quality of life you have here. Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery that returns you to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now we're going to start getting to this idea of God praying for you through you. This is part of what Jesus is praying for you. So imagine this picture of whatever the throne of God looks like to you. Jesus is there. He's God himself, but yet they're somehow different entities, the Father and the Son, but the, the Son is praying for you, and I'm imagining God is in unison as well. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Personally, this is my take, this is what I feel like God highlighted for me, you might have some different things that you're taking out of it, but as Jesus is interceding for you, I think as it comes to you and you are involved in this prayer of Jesus on your behalf, this is the part that you're receiving. He's testifying to your spirit that you are his child. God's constantly reminding you, listen, you're my child. You're tempted to engage that sin that you keep giving into. He's like, no, 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 no. That's not who you are. That sexual identity that you're trying to choose, that's not who you are. That disruptive sin pattern in your life, that's not who you are. That negative self-talk, that, that, that negative view that you have of the world, that carnalistic view that you're always trying to figure out who the man behind the curtain is, twisting his mustache, really controlling the banks and giving us vaccines and going to sterilize us. That, that's not who you are. You don't have to sit there and figure that stuff out. I promise you. There are devils active in this earth and there are people on this planet willing to play his game and affect your life. It's happening, probably darker than we could even imagine. But that's not who you are. You belong to a kingdom, amen? The God, the God of heaven and earth, the one who wins, is telling you, hey, look, the devil's got his children, but you are my child. And greater is he who is in you than he who's in the world. I don't care how much money they got. I don't care how many networks and pharmacy, pharmacological pill factories they own. I have an, I have an opinion. But you got the Spirit of God in you. I'm not, I'm not you know, I, praise God for medicine, right? But, but you know what I'm talking about, the, the thing that, the, the, the mindset that's in the, in the air today of the overuse, you know, I'm, you know, praise God for medicine, but all right, because I say things like that, and then, and it makes people feel condemned because of, so I, I'm not trying to do that, uh, so let me take a breath. 
And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. I think this is the fruit of what Christ would pray for you. That when you allow Christ to pray for you, you leave his presence. And you know what I mean by that. You walk away from him laying hands on you. And this is your identity. I'm a child of God. I have an inheritance in him. I look at my world, I look at my life, and I see the lack, I see this. But I also see that he's within me. And because he loves me, he values me more than the flowers of the field and the birds in the air. He will meet my needs far beyond my imagination. That's who I am. I am someone that God loves and wants to bless. Not so that I can just sit and live a prosperous lifestyle, but so that I bring glory to him so he can look at me and say, look, look what I did. Look what I did in that one's life right there. He was sitting with a gun to his head last month. Now he's praising my name because he knows how good I am. And if children, heirs. If heirs, co-heirs. Everything Jesus has, you do. That's offensive. That makes people mad. If indeed we suffer with him. Now what does that mean, suffer? Persecution for your faith. That's what it means. If you don't back down from your faith, no matter what, even to the loss of life, that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about cancer. He's not talking about losing your job. He's not talking about your dog running away. He's not talking about all of the difficult things that we face in life. Even though that does bring great and deep suffering in our lives, contextually, if you search out what he's actually talking about in regard to suffering, so you do a word study, you look at the word suffering as it relates to every passage in the New Testament especially, the only kind of suffering that you can see God endorsing or being involved with at all is those being persecuted for their faith. So don't draw back, as he warns us in Hebrews. Don't draw back. That even means if you're at the dinner table with somebody who's attacking your faith, don't draw back. I don't mean attack them back, but don't draw back. Don't shrink. Don't shrink away. You know, I, I, the, our country's in the condition that it's in because we've shrank away. Yep. We've not been willing to suffer with him in terms of standing up for our faith. Go watch Mike's message from last week. It'll stir you so that we may also be glorified. Consider that our present suffering are not comparable to the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the revelation of the sons of God. Two more, and then I'm done. For the creation was subjected to the futility, not by its own will, but because of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation... So he's, he's making these different distinctions of spirit and flesh. You're my child in spirit, so then he's kind of talking about here what's going on in the earth, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage of decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. This should be the effect of us knowing our sonship in him, the world experiencing this. We know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until the present time. Not only that, but we ourselves who had the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, you're looking for that new looking forward to that new body. For in the hope, for in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what he can already see? But if we hope for what we do not yet see, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, 
The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now just stop. Think about that for a minute. The Spirit helps you in your weakness. How does He help you? Lots of ways. One way is this gift, this grace. For we do not know how we ought to pray. So I wanted to highlight that first, then go back and build this whole context of where you are in the kingdom as God's child. He is constantly reminding you that you're His child. He's praying for you. The whole world is even waiting for you to believe that you are a child of God, if you can say it that way. But you still don't know how you should pray. We don't all the time. We don't know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And He who searches our hearts. So this, this is what's happening when you're praying with your spirit. Whatever it sounds like for you, even if it's just singing for you, it's not, it doesn't have to be any form of anything that we force upon people. You can pray with your spirit. Even if you, even if you would disagree with the gift of tongues, it's clear that your spirit can pray. So whatever that sounds like for you, do it. Say do it. For we don't know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He searches. I want God to search my heart. There are things in there that I want Him to get out of there. I want the Spirit praying for me in that deep, guttural place that I give voice to myself. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God and then here comes the big one that people like to lift out of context as if none of this stuff was said before it. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. And you hear that quoted at gravesides. You hear that quoted at children's funerals. You hear that quoted in hospitals besides someone who's just received a diagnosis that it's inoperable. Well, you know, all things work together for good. you got to be kidding me. You are going to butcher the Bible so fiercely that you're going to quote that in that moment? What he's saying in context is in light of your sonship, when you are allowing the Spirit of God to pray and intercede for you through you, then it works out for your good. And in the body of Christ, you can hear the line being drawn. That's where you lost me, brother. You know, that's all right. That's all right. But you've got to admit, if you're going to treat the Bible properly, you've got to take this verse contextually, and it is immediately after him talking about the Spirit praying through you. However that looks to you, then that's when things work out. For those that love him. And are called according. Now, so then after this, he goes into this discourse of those whom he foreknew. Of course, then you got a particular group within Christianity that it says God's picking and choosing who can be saved. But what he's really talking about is the Israelites, which is evidenced in Romans 11. Go read Romans 11. Those whom he foreknew were the Israelites. That's a whole nother topic. But just to address it, because somebody's going to have that. Well, you did. You stopped there. Well, I know. I know what it says next. But the point being. Do you want things to work out for your good beyond your knowledge of what to pray for? Use this gift. 
And if you don't use it, it doesn't make you any less of a Christian. It doesn't make you any less powerful. It doesn't make you any less born again or filled or any of that stuff. It just means you're not utilizing a deep, intimate thing that God has given you. Now, you might get there another way. You might get to a point where you're allowing God to work in your life beyond your own understanding. You, have, you may have ways to do that. But I believe praying with your spirit, with the gift of other tongues, is an incredibly powerful way to allow God to pray for you through you. I want to read this. This is a study. This is a guy... Oh, by the way, I've got this slide. So what is Jesus praying? I think for a lot of us, this is what he's praying right here. <laughs> just stop. Stop, please. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just stop, please. Would you just stop? Would you just close your mouth? Just stop talking. I think that's what he's praying for a lot of us. But anyway, is any of you familiar with the studies of Dr. Newberg out of the University of Pennsylvania? I know all of you are. <laughs> this guy did some studies on people that pray in tongues, and he did some neuroimaging. He did brain scans of people while they were praying in tongues and while they were praying in their known language. What he found was the frontal lobe, when praying in tongues, for the Christian, not for the Buddhist, or even for the Franciscan monk, their prayer looked like a known prayer. But specifically for the Christian that was praying in an unknown tongue, they used the gift of tongues, um, their brain image, the neuroactivity within their brain, the frontal lobe was not engaged. Now, the frontal lobe is where speech is controlled. Now, what that means on a physiological level is they didn't know what they were saying and they were engaging a different part of their brain. So it, it's not a known language for them. Another interesting aspect of it was, for some of the people, they, the part of their brain that would light up, which, which I'm fascinated with neuroscience and just what we're learning about that. Even in the psychological world, you know, you have people coming out and saying psychology and psychiatry are the only professions where they don't diagnose the actual organ that they're working on. It's philosophical almost. And so what they're starting to do now is introduce into psychiatry and psychology neuroimaging because you can recognize people that have violent behavioral tendencies. They have a particular brain map in imaging that shows them they have something going on physiologically within their body and so they can treat that issue physiologically, not psychologically. Yes, right. I'm not against psychology. It's great, but let's use all the tools, right? I mean, it's the same. Let's use all our spiritual tools. Let's use all our physical tools. That's all I'm saying. So anyway, this guy does this study. And the, some of the people that when they would pray, and I'm pointing here like I know where it's at. You know, I'm just, <laughs> this means my brain. Anyway, but they, they had a neuroimage that mimicked someone who had brain damage. <laughs> But not that the brain was actually damaged, but the because your brain, you know, there's electricity flowing through your brain, and that's what they're measuring. The, the neuroimage mirrored, while they were praying in tongues, mirrored someone who was having brain issues that caused them to lose capacity of, of where they were in space and time. 
So in other words, they, they had images and they were like, the only other place we've seen these images are people that have had brain damage and their neuroimage looks like they don't know where they are. They forget who they are. They're struggling with reality. They're, they're, so it's not, so there is a case to be said that we're all crazy when we're praying in tongues. <laughs> but but this, is, this was his conclusion. All right, so this is small, so let me read it to you. These findings could be interpreted as the subject's sense of being being taken over by something else. Now, to my knowledge, this Dr. Newberg is not a uh, believer. He's, I think he's Jewish, and he just did the, I don't know why he did these studies. He's got some books out. I don't know much about him, but I think that's his background. So it's not like he's a believer trying to prove something, right? So we scientifically assume it's being taken over by another part of the brain, but we couldn't see in this imaging study where this took place. So in other words, they thought, well, this is because another part of the brain is active, but that didn't prove itself. So that was a conclusion that was not proven. Uh, so there must be something else. So we believe this is the first scientific imaging study evaluating changes in cerebral activity, looking at what actually happens to the brain when someone is speaking in tongues. The study also showed a number of other changes in the brain, listen, including those areas involved with emotions and establishing our sense of self. The Spirit of God is bearing witness with your spirit that you are His child. I wish I could. <laughs> Here's what's happening. You're praying in tongues. Even the neuroimaging of your brain is reflecting a pattern of someone who is being thinking and processing through their sense of self. Who am I? Someone is sitting there asking these questions, going through an identity thing, whatever it is, however they're processing it. That's what your brain looks like when you are praying with your spirit and the Spirit of God is sitting there praying for you going, you're my child. You are putting yourself in a position to be transformed and rewired so that every aspect of your being believes that you are His child, that you have an inheritance in Him, that everything He promised for you is yes and amen. There's another guy, I think his name was Carl Peterson, did a study on people praying in tongues. And, and people that use that gift in a sustained manner, in a consistent way, their immune system improved by 35 to 40%. I think that was done at ORU, which is a Christian organization. But the evidence is there nonetheless. Now, you think about your midlife crisis. Who am I? What am I doing? What am I doing with my life? This is where I am. This is what I, really? I should be further along by now. What's going on? What, what am I supposed to do with my life? We ask identity-based questions every day, all the time. Wouldn't you like God to speak into that? Wouldn't you like to be able to look to God and say, now, who am I? Oh, yeah. Now, use it how you may. You can argue, you can disagree, or you can use it. Amen. It's your choice. I'm not trying to, you know, I don't need you to do anything for me. But I want to show you how powerful this can be. Amen? Now, if it's something that you don't do and you'd like to, when we dismiss here, we're going to have people praying 
that you can come up and they'll walk you through that process. And if you say, you're of the devil, I'm never coming back here again, I hope you have a great lunch. I, I really do. <laughs> I'll see you in heaven. We'll figure out what it's supposed to be all about. You know. But other than that, man, we are free in him. But when you're sitting there facing an identity crisis in life, give it a try. And if you do use this gift, use it more. Because it will further anchor who you are in him. And when you believe who you are in him, you will experience all of the things that he has for you so that you can be a blessing to this world, to bring glory to his name. And that's what we want. We want our lives to bring glory and honor to his name, don't we? Amen. Amen. Caitlin, thank you so much for being here. The, uh, she has a table over here. Yeah. So if you're interested, um, I see you've got a sign-up list if you want to get her emails. Do you have cards that people can take with your information on it? That's the one thing I forgot. Oh, you forgot the cards. Justone.org, get plugged in, get connected, give a bunch of money, just help those girls. And if you want prayer today, we have our prayer team. They're going to be up here. We're actually going to close with worship today. We went really long, and we're going to go longer. But I will say this. If you need to go, God bless you. Actually, just stand up on your feet with me. The band, head on up this way. We're going to do at least one more. I thought we got a full band today. Let's have them play. How many of you guys want to hear the band play, play us out of here? Let me just pray over you as they make their way up here. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather. We thank you that your spirit is alive and active in our lives. Father, we thank you that we treat your word respectively. We just want to honor you. We want to bring glory to your name. We want to spread the gospel far and wide, and we want to utilize every bit of power and influence that you've given us. So we completely yield to you, Lord. Father, give us wisdom. Give us instruction. Show us as we go back into the Word and we search these things out. And we, we seek to understand how to work with you in this earth, how to co-labor with you and experience your influence in our lives. Father, we just yield to you. Lord, I speak a blessing over every person in this place. I thank you that you, are, you value them. You are seeking to meet their needs. You already know what they need before they ever even ask. And as they seek you this morning, as they look inwardly and see that your kingdom is firmly planted within them, you are meeting their needs exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine. I thank you that your spirit is alive and moving in our lives. If anyone needs healing in that place, God, you're strengthening them. You're helping us emotionally. You're giving us wisdom and insight. And Father, if there's anybody in this place that doesn't know you, they've never said yes to you or watching online, Father, we thank you that they just step one more step closer to you and say yes to you. In fact, if you're in this place today and you've never said yes to Jesus, I want you to, when we dismiss here, I want you to come up and get with one of these guys. We have a book and a few things we'd like to give you. If you're watching online and you're not a believer, you're not a Jesus follower, go to our website, forward.church. Scroll down. There's a picture on there. It says, who is Jesus? Click on that, and we'll walk you through a process. Contact us. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to gather, to be a blessing to each other, and we walk out of here aware of our identity in you, thankful for this gift that you've given us to firmly root ourselves in who we are in you. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.